0: That's nOom.com
1: to sign up today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Rotoballer.com. If you guys know me by now, you've listened long enough, you know I've got my written content for DFS and other season-long fantasy products over at Rotoballer.com. And if you're still grinding along in the NFL streets, season-long playoffs, DFS for the NFL Don't wait any longer. Go to rotaballer.com, get the NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season long in DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL Premium Pass includes lineup tools, projections, and DFS cheat sheets for all formats. Get access to exclusive articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chat rooms. I do the weekly DFS cash game values, and then this Saturday even, doing some uh, extra previews for the the week's DFS slates. Come check all that out and join in on the winning and take – 50% 50% off any premium pass. Not just football. If you want basketball, baseball's coming up all that good stuff, 50% off any premium pass. Use my my promo code, Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% off. See, so it's 60% off a premium pass. It's that simple. So get in, get ready, finish the NFL season in a strong, strong way with rotoballer.com, NFL premium pass. Already at 50% off now. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% off when you purchase. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio. Sign up today and start rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 425. Got a special guest returning to the show, friend of mine. I talked to him probably more than uh, most people on Twitter but, that I talked to, not in general. Uh, the text message threads are always very entertaining. Got to meet this wonderful individual in uh, First Pitch, Arizona, where I gave him as much crap as he could handle, and he took it like a champ because that's what he does. You can find his work at um, skplaybook.com, the basis loaded podcast with the one and only Jorge Montanez. And uh, Rotoballer.com, Mr. Sleepy K himself, Mike Curlin. how we doing, my friend?
0: What's going on, man? And no. yes, I do consider you a friend, and you are correct. There are few true friends you may make here on the Twitterverse, but you are one of them. And yep. I thank you for having me on, as always. Yes,
1: always, always. And like I told Mike before we recorded, I apologize if you guys hear background stuff. I have a full house because it was supposed to be empty. It is not empty. So if you hear noises, I apologize. But this is the world we live in these days. But um, how we doing? We got uh, drafts going on. You you suckered me into a draft champions right before the holiday, like right before Christmas. It,
0: it was wild times. How we doing? You're blaming me when you tweet. I actually reached out to you saying, "Hey, did you ever get into this draft that you were thinking <laughs> about doing?" You said no, it filled. I said, "Well, there's a new one." All I did was suggestively sell, essentially, because I po- was going to get. I wanted. I wanted to get into one. And I, I like drafting with friends. I do yeah. oh, even though I'm pretty open about my player analysis and who I like in drafts especially to people i'm close to i don't mind drafting with that because with those people and i prefer to i enjoy the camaraderie i enjoy i enjoy the trash talk and i enjoy taking your money
1: oh oh the last laugh part <laughs> yeah okay we'll see about that get, just remember you gotta remember to set your lineups each week so we'll, we'll get to that <sighs> yeah part. no
0: no quitting again mid-season come on yeah, man no, quitting mid-season. no mental breakdowns again damn it
1: no we can't be doing that but um so before before we talk about these drafts and kind of what we're learning early on here um, let everybody know what you got going on. SK Playbook, you've been writing, doing your stuff, you're getting your your draft prepped going, and all that fun stuff.
0: Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Um, it's a new venture, shocker, curling with a new venture. Yeah. But
1: let's see how long this one sticks. No,
0: I'm, I'm <laughs> hyper focused, though. No, dude, my wife gives me a hard time. Every, anybody who knows me is close to me knows that. Um, I tend to jump from project to project, but. I think I finally found my happy place. I really do. I haven't been this excited about something in a while. And I, I'm doing it without a care. And you know, again, as someone who texts with me pretty much daily and we talk about this stuff because we relate to uh, to each other like in this type of thing, you knew the hardest part was going to be me doing essentially writing for free again. Like, that's what I'm doing. And it's all just gambling on myself. And I'm like. I kind of liked it. Like I wasn't sure how I was gonna feel. I'm not getting paid for this work. I'm paying to do stuff, essentially. And uh, yeah. um, the more I look into it, the more I'm like, yeah, I just want to do this. And George, again, our buddy Jorge Montes, he's a great dude. George, man, yeah, sure uh, he's been my, my day one guy. He's been my co-host since day one on Bases Loaded, and he's we're gonna co-own this thing and kind of just go that route and see what happens. Now George is still obviously with NBC doing his thing. So I'm hyper focused on this, but I'm going to bring all my content here. I'm and I'm kind of focusing on more of a niche concept versus having all your typical content. So you mentioned my player analysis. I tend to do like some deeper dive type articles and those are I already have like 3 or 4 done on there. I'm going to bring all my lineup content to the site and I'm just going to kind of hone in on it and I have other ideas and I think uh, I think I'm going to do something stupid and just of course instead of taking my time with it, i'm gonna to rush to do bigger things and i probably should right right away but we'll see what happens i have some ideas in the works but skplaybook.com is where my work is at and majority of my work is going to be i will be freelancing for other sites you mentioned robot or being one of them but um yeah that's pretty much all things sleepy k all things Mike curland are, are going to be all things SK Playbook, essentially and he's also got the SP streamer uh, draft guide coming out. Uh, so don't, don't don't plug Mike's work or
1: stuff. Stop it. Well he it's, already, it's already been plugged on other uh, other podcasts Yes. Him, so okay.
0: He gets well, it's because Simeon is his they, own walking brand. He's yeah. a great dude. I, I can't knock him, but man, do I like to give him a hard time? Yep.
1: <laughs> it's fun. It's just fun because he's he is too nice so it's fun to, to, to poke him a little bit and, see. and he's
0: genuinely but, nice like yeah. i'm not just like i'm i'm the jerk <laughs> yeah. that,
1: that's 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 your foray so it that's works an pretty understatement. well for you uh but yeah go check out sk playbook.com uh mike always has great stuff that's one thing i give him a hard time at when he does a project and stops him. i'm like dude this stuff's good what are you doing but it's it's his passion so if he's found his wheelhouse i would definitely check it out guys because it'll be good and obviously the lineup stuff we all love as the season goes along um Let's talk early drafts. We've uh, been going. We did the FPAS draft. Um, Like you said before the show, we were talking. I haven't even looked at it because I'm scared to look at it because it's just like so much has changed since then. That was – we all went in there. We were in the lobby of the hotel printing out just any list we could find (laughs) beforehand because we had no idea. We just wanted a player pool in front of us. It was just a total let's throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. But um, now we're now we're cranking up. We're actually putting dollars behind this. We're do, we've been doing research. We're almost into the 2022 actual year and slash season. So, what are some of the the early things you're you're seeing that stand out to you that you see maybe sticking or something?
0: Man, um, there like, are new are...
1: relievers early. You think that's going to yeah, stay?
0: That's the one that's. I, I mean, if it's already here, I don't see it falling off. Now, maybe if we do get some. A few more names, like okay, you they say, hey, Giles is the guy, or hey, Stecker Rider is the guy, or you know, once we like, we're already seeing player, but the thing is, those those players will just get pushed up instead of the pool falling because we're seeing guys like, um, oh man, Dodgers, why am I trying? To Jansen, hit? no, that's the thing. Trinan, Blake Trinan, Blake Trinan's moving up because Jansen isn't signed and he's been rumored hey, to Miami. Your, and Georgie's, other
1: been, Georgie's been moving him up.
0: <laughs> yes, because and I talked to him definitely all the time and he's definitely in on them now because mm-hmm. i think he where i think the writing's on the wall that he might actually be leaving even though we all assumed he'd be going back so and for some reason i still mess up trying and trevino that's where i, I for some uh, reason in my head i get that mix up going but anyway that's why i was like what's his name like i know him, i know it but anyway i digress but so as we see players possibly gain more sure roles we're seeing them move up in adp and there is a it's getting to a point now where it's like I tried something new this draft. I don't really like how I how it turned out. I took two early closers. Actually, I took Presley and then Kimbrell, who isn't guaranteed a closing spot, actually. So like, he's a closer in all like, in, in everyone's mind. But realistically, I, I could have just burned a spot. But um, in theory, I took two early closers and I realized I don't like that. But I had to try it to know that because I've seen it. I've seen people do it. And I liked how their pitching staffs have worked out. But I don't like how mine did because I feel like I'm missing that true SP three. And I feel like, or even SP two, because McClanahan is my SP2 in this league. And you can argue he should be a three because there is unknowns there. And there's a like I have Corbin Burns as my ace. So it's there's some safety there. But then there goes all the other safety. I wanted Strowman the round he went. Of course, Cubby Knowles took him took him, but stole him. Stook him. Stole <laughs> slash took him. And that hurt me. Cause I know you and I both love Strowman. And yeah. Strowman was supposed to be that like. That innings eater, like that, just plug and play, and I didn't get that. So, um, this this build has been a little more challenging, but ultimately, I felt the need to try it because I've, I'm seeing how relief pitchers are moving up the board. And I also wanted to put stress on others, like, oh, because there were teams with, like no relief pitchers yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And I'm because, on the clock. Yeah. The draft is moving right along here around like 31 or 32. But, um, hook. it's, it's tough while you make your pick here. Um, I've been like doing the NFC 50s, the 12 teams. I've been kind of looking at getting closers early and everything. I think it's more important a 12 team for one and two. It's um, there's it's easier to kind of backfill your roster. Where a 15, it's tricky. So it's like you either have to take it early, but you're skipping on some potential starting pieces that you need because we're in round 31 right now and it's it's barren. It's where <laughs> we're already and we got 20 more rounds to go. So it's it's rough. But like what I did this time is I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna go crazy closers. But I got Edwin Diaz in the fourth, and I didn't get another closer, potential closer, till like way, way later. And I don't love it, but it allowed me to fill things elsewhere. It's that's the beauty of doing these early drafts. The one thing I'll say, and we can go back to the DC format if we want, I think when we get more into the redraft mode, you won't see this as crazy. Like you might see the Hendricks and the haters go early but I don't think you're going to go see full craziness because you can pick guys up in FAB. That's why this DC method, it's like you have to get them because there is no FAB. This is your team you're rolling with, and you have to pray you get saves.
0: Yes, and that's important to remember because not everybody plays 15-team leagues. Not everybody plays draft and holds. That's just what we're playing. and this. But the thing is, is these drafts are what a lot of us are playing early, and a lot of us in the industry are getting in on. So the industry as a whole kind of dictates ADP on every site. And you're gonna see closures high on every site, even in ten team, twelve team uh, points rota. Like you're gonna see that, and it's gonna be skewed. You have to, and that always goes back to knowing your, knowing your league, knowing your rules, knowing all that stuff, so that way you can adapt and let people take closures early, say in a points league if they're ranked high, and take advantage of like falling talent stuff like that. You just gotta know that. So hopefully that's what we're here to guide you with. But we are talking about what we are doing right now and seeing right now because this is all the data we have. Just wanna drive that home.
1: And there's been one OC drafted so far. There was five closers in the top 50 picks. I think there was like there 10 you. in the top 100. So they went early. I just, I have a hunch that'll change as we get closer to March. Like you said, more openings might look secure. There might be some more situations like that. Cause I, I agree. Ch- Giles slash Rider is an interesting one. Uh, there's a couple other little spots here. And they're like, when we started drafting an FPAS, mark melanson was nothing now he's the closer in arizona so he moved up boards Mm -hmm. like crazy like there's little things like that that are definitely going to take place as we keep running along here um positional scarcity is one i guess you could say relief pitchers could be a scarce position all things considered um everyone loves to talk third base and we're going to get to a player later that you tweeted about and i've actually almost finished an article kind of in my brain right like my my profiles are nothing like curlin's. he's way deeper and more in depth than mine but mine is like my brain working through things and Mm -hmm. his name is josh donaldson but we'll talk about him later about why he's kind of underappreciated but the third base position like i say it's it's actually it's very top heavy but there is depth to it if you're willing to go through the murky waters is the way I see it. <laughs> so are you one that wants to get one early and not avoid or not deal with the murkiness? Or are you good just kind of waiting and rolling the dice on a Donaldson or an Eduardo Escobar or something like that?
0: I'd rather get him early. I've had two uh, money drafts, the 150 DCs, and I got J-Ram. Luckily, he fell to fifth overall because I was happy to take him there. No problem. Cause I think I, I, I even heard you on the thing. It was last episode mentioned that you've taken him first overall, and I see no problem with that. See, I do listen to your show. And uh, you. <laughs> and um, I was, like, in heaven when he fell to fifth or fourth, whatever. I think it was fourth, maybe. And um, this last draft, I had, what, the ninth pick? So, it was that, like, pick 20 on the way back or something like that? And Machado and Devers, I think we're both there. Devers got taken right ahead of me. I was like, I'm taking Machado, no hesitation, because I, I don't want to deal with the market. Now, if I miss on those three, I don't go Riley and others, I kind of wait and sit back, and I'm willing to take a Chris Bryant. Is kind of he's like the last of like that of that grouping. Of like I, I want as my starting third baseman personally. So it's like the top eight, top nine. I'm trying to get one of those for sure, especially in deeper leagues. Because if you, something like in a, in my first league, I actually got Chris Bryant as my outfielder because I already had J Ram. Mm-hmm. So I made the pool even. And that's the thing: people are not just taking one; people are taking two of these guys. Uh, they're hoarding. So what it does is it causes greater scarcity. So yes, obviously there is something to be said about the depth of the position because you can find gems. If you believe in the bounce back of certain guys like a haze or something, but in terms of just safe players, it's very minimal. And I'd rather avoid going fishing in the murky water and, like, you never know what you're going to get. How many times have you seen something on YouTube? You go fishing in murky water, you pull up a bicycle frame. Like, you want that? You really want that? Is that really what you want to go
1: fishing for, no, you know? Especially, especially a guy my size. We don't need a bicycle frame. It won't, it won't work out very well. <laughs> but um, it's funny you mentioned that because, like, I have the draft board up, so I'm kind of scrolling around. And I usually take try to get one of the top eight or nine, like you're saying, or I try to get one of the top guys. I've got a lot of Devers shares already. Um, just saying, screw it, and I get stolen bases elsewhere type thing. But looking at the draft we did, and this is like, I'm not joking. When I tweet out, like, this is a crazy draft, is one of the sharpest rooms I've been in in December. Like, these guys, like, literally, this last round or two rounds ago, I was wanted an outfielder. You went Garrett Cooper, then Cubby went Ramirez, and then so I was stuck with David Peralta. I was like, the two guys I queued up, gone, gone. Well, my pitching
0: just got ripped up shreds, too. Like, I had no
1: pitching queue left. It's it's happening like crazy in this league, but the third base thing, it's like, I like Cabrian Hayes, I think there's something there for sure. I'm not looking to run after Cabrian Hayes, but that's who I drafted in round 10 because the third base pool was shrinking dramatically. Like I could have waited and got somebody else. I should have just taken my own advice and got Ryan McMahon, but I was just, I took Hayes, did that thing. Nice Ross stripling pick. I had him queued up. Well done. <laughs> um, but, then, but then I have like Hunter hundred Dozier later, which I like, but is he that great? Then it's just third base is not fun. It's a, it's a not fun position. If you don't, uh, that's the risk reward type yeah. thing, the murky waters we're talking about. So Uh, One thing I mentioned on my last pod with Matt Goodwin is, you know, we all tweet out our, our, um, our picks. I I said, I told people look at the picks they made and then look at the full board and see like how it kind of flowed. Cause you'll see, cause like you listen to us as analysts and we'll say, this is guys we like, this is who we want. And then people might go, why didn't you pick them? Well, you gotta see, like you said, we talked about rankings earlier. You gotta be able to bob and weave with the situation and, and go from there. So I think there's a lot to learn by looking at the whole draft board, not just a set of picks.
0: This is a open discussion part of the pod, right?
1: Oh, yeah. We're open. Like, we could do this the rest of the show if you want.
0: Well, you know, I'm all, I'm all about it. Yeah. <laughs> I could talk for three hours. Like, it's know, me talking? No problem. But um, you mentioned ranks, and we talked about it, and I had to almost, like, you didn't agree with me until I broke down where I was going with it. So, I yeah, think it's a good off, conversation. That, first
1: off, that's the beauty of Twitter is people don't listen to the full conversation. So, continue.
0: Yes, because on Twitter you read what I'm saying. You don't know the intent or the the way. I, well, maybe you know me now because you know me, but a lot of the times you don't know the person's like intent behind what they're tweeting. And I'm I said essentially ranks are growing increasingly like pointless to me, and I mean that in the sense that when I'm drafting, I don't look at ranks outside the closers because and I didn't realize that closers were like the only ranks I kind of follow because everything else is all about t- building your team right. So I'm not gonna go out of my way. Like if I have Wander ranked above Javi bias, and that was an example I use, which I actually don't have it that way, which might be a hot take for some people, but regardless, um, I digress. If you have Wander ranked ahead of Javi, but you think Javi's in for more stone bases, more home runs, but but you see how but but Wander's sitting there and you're like, Well, he's ranked ahead of him, but I need this, I need this power speed combo more that offers a little more ceiling. Why are you gonna why ranks shouldn't r- ranks will make you dictate, well, I'm gonna take this guy because I rank him higher? When really you should be taking what fits your team build better so my argument was roster construction is king over ranks and not that and the reason why ranks are helpful for people like in the industries especially is because it makes us it forces us to sit down and look at every player like I, i'm not gonna lie i didn't realize tyler stevenson wasn't much of a power hitter until recently yeah he just doesn't have the power metrics. He hits almost fifty percent ground balls, but the plate discipline's there. The good batting average will come because of it. I think he has a decent floor, but the ceiling might not be what I was hoping because unless he learns to elevate the ball with consistency. um, but that's that's the thing. I just assumed, oh, it's the starting catcher for the Reds, great ballpark. He's just shoe for twenty plus home runs and probably two seventy batting average. No, I think the batting average is there. I think 10 to 15 should be expected until he fixes his issues uh, or his uh, lack of elevation. And that's fine, but you got that's the thing. That's like one of those like preconceived notions that that's where rankings come in handy when you're breaking down players, learning what type of player they are so you can build the optimal roster. So that's why rankings have their uses, but I think they have more uses for us as analysts than they do for consumers. I think they're clickbaity and great for traffic or great for pod listens and all that. They really are. Rankings, disputes, and all that but I I don't think that they are as usable in draft as people tend to or have in the past put on them is what I'm getting at.
1: No, I think it's a great point. That's why once we started talking about it, it made more sense to me is Mm -hmm. I love making rankings to figure out the pool, to get an idea of what's going on, to see where I'd like to go in a draft. Like in a perfect world, yes, you like to go right down your rankings, of course, Mm -hmm. but there's another reason why I don't do overall rankings because that that gets people i do my positional rankings to give me an idea and it gives you like buckets as like vlad says or there's tiers where it's hey as i'm drafting this like third base is drying up like i got tons of shortstops left let's dictate things or if i need on bases or this like there might be it, there might be more validity in doing rankings based on statistical categories than positional categories that could be something to potentially do or make a list of statistical rankings, but color code them by position so you can kind of see different things along those lines. Could be something so on playbook.com you'll see that next week. But <laughs> yeah,
0: um, yeah, way, way to put the pressure on me now. You know what? <laughs> now I have to do it right, like yeah. you said it now. Yeah, no, nothing not else to
1: do, but no, it, no that, nothing that, at all. That's that's where the point is pretty good is at first, I'm like, well, rankings they, they help because they get us like focused, but. I agree where they don't need to be the end all be all. And that's why I said so many times, and I'll say it many more times, especially during the draft season is the one thing I'd recommend to any player is make your own rankings. Cause then you're not subject to someone else's this list. You went and printed up. Like if you want to use our list, like awesome. They're here. Yeah. I give you a, I give you a Google sheet every year. I do it every single year. You're, you're welcome to use it, but you need to know how to navigate it. And by building them yourself will help you navigate it. And I think that's a big difference. Like, like Mike is saying there to, to make things happen. The question I do have for you though, why oh, no. do you feel closer rankings are still important?
0: Because that's the one position where uh, roster construction doesn't matter.
1: But throughout a you're draft, just... doesn't your roster construction still matter when you're using closers?
0: Yes, but it's um, I'm but if I want a closer in the fifth round, I look at my ranks and take the best available. I don't need to pick. Well, Class Fair A has enough, more okay. K's versus Iglesias. I'm just literally I'm looking at a list, and this is again one of the few times where Dave brought this up in the in our thing, and I was like. You know what, Dave? I agree with you. Normally, I argue with Dave. I like to argue with Dave. It's fun. Dave McDonald. For those who might not know who's listening, he, uh, me, and Dave go back and forth a lot. But in this situation, he was very correct, and I didn't really think. I, I never really thought about it. I just always had a rank of closers and kind of just picked my favorite. Now, will I? Now, I still do tier based ranks, which is similar to buckets in a sense. But tier based with closers is I have three guys in this spot that I, I value similarly. So maybe one draft I'll take him. One draft I'll take this guy. And so forth and so on. So that might change. Like, oh well, you you have Iglesias ranked third. Why why did why did you take Class A third this this draft? Because I don't see too much of a difference, and I want to change. I don't want to be all in on a guy on every because I drafted enough to be to want different players. And so that's like that's where you'll see like you mentioned, people will look at your board. Well, you're all in on this guy. You said you're all in, but you didn't draft him. Well, I I have him on. Five of my six other drafts. Like that that's why I don't have them here. So but yes, um closers again to circle back around, closers are the one position where you can just look at a list and if you want a closer, you take the highest guy on your list. Yeah.
1: Okay. Agree. Totally agree on that one. So that that makes a a lot of sense. Um, how are you attacking the early rounds in drafts? Uh we we talk about how deep the starting pitching pool appears to be. Um, it's obviously a lot deeper in 12 teams, the NFC fifties than the DC 150s. But um, are you going pitching early? Are you trying to get those big steel shortstop guys? Because, you know, I've talked to Fish and other guys, and it makes tons of sense once you start doing it. The top, like, four or five picks is the gravy land. Like, you can build a team you feel like you're ready to go to battle with. The back end gets a little different. So how are you going about it?
0: Um, so far, I've tried two things I don't normally do. Um, (laughs) Like the early closers threw off how I started this draft because I actually started this draft pretty on brand. I like to get one starting pitcher in my first three picks. Very, very common uh, strategy. I prefer a first round hitter, but this draft, Harper was taking one pick ahead of me. And I was kind of like where I was. like, And you took Tucker. So I was like, I don't want Trout there. No pitcher was taken off the board in the first eight picks. It was straight hitters. And I like Corbin Burns a lot. I was like, I gotta get myself a share. Uh, let me go Ace. I took my Ace. Machado was my first hitter, and then who was my second? Pick? I think I took. Oh, I took Trevor Story in the third. And at, at that point, I was like, I really like how this started. I always like that. That's how I usually start the first three rounds: a pitcher mixed into two hitters. So three. So my first three picks, it's usually a base of two hitters and pitchers. And you mentioned speed and Machado. That's why I have Machado ranked second. I know ADP has Devers second. Machado, I see ten plus bags from usually. So I think that gives him a little bit of an edge for me because all things being equal, playing time, good teams. I don't see much of a difference um, personally. So I take much ahead of Devers, but that's just me. And then I got story. So it gives me, again, the power speed combo. And now I'm leaving my rounds with power, speed, and pitching. And that's why I like to have my... And then obviously, early closer, I usually like to get one. But I'm seeing enough of who I like going around like six, seven, eight. So I think my next draft, I'm going to try doing like three hitters two starters and then maybe a closer and kind of build from there i want i am trying different things this year because i don't want to say what works and what doesn't work i know for me what doesn't work is the two closer situation because when i took Kimbrel, i'm gonna pull that up personally i'm realizing because when i took Kimbrel, where was that uh round seven i passed on uh, everybody (laughs) round seven's early i passed on Ah, uh, Chris Bryant, who I rather have had on offense. Uh, Varsho is my first catcher. I would have liked to have. Um, let's see. An- me an- girl an- answer, me an- answer me this
1: real quick. Answer me. Just thinking back. This is what's fun. That's why I say, look at the whole draft board. So mm-hmm. you took Kimbrell in round seven, knowing that he's got closer ability, but he still has to be traded, of course. And there's everything points to him being traded, but it still has to happen one way or another. You took, and I, I, I don't mind the pick, but you took him before Jordan Romano, Mark Melanson. Mm-hmm and Camilo Duvall. Those are three guys that are very popular in the closing landscape. Would you rather have any of those three looking back on it than Craig Kimbrell?
0: Well, see, I actually took Romano over Kimbrell the draft before, so this goes back to me having them rank similarly diversifying. and diversifying, yes. Yeah. Because it's um, Romano, I feel more secure in his role. Melanson I do too, but I don't believe in – I like to draft skill set at catch at closer early. I think Fair Kimbrell's skill set – So that's all that is. So um, I do keep Romano and Kimbrell ahead of those other names you mentioned. Sure. Duvall scares me, not because I don't think he can do it, but I almost think that, I mean, they still have Jake McGee. They still have other options there. And
1: I've said it on so many podcasts where people ask me, as a dance guy, what do you think? I said, it should be Duvall. It's like, he should get it. But McGee's there and it's Kepler, like uh, Kepler. No, Gabe Kepler, I always screw up. But um, Duvall, (laughs) I think Duvall still gets like 70%. He should be more. But like you said, it's it's not as, as locked down as I think people are giving it credit for.
0: And my big, my favorite, uh, close number two, which I'll say out loud, which again I would have actually had in this draft 100%. Had I waited on closer, but um, Soto, I like getting Soto a lot. Gregory Soto, he's already been named the closer, yep. And the team is continuing to try to build around, you know, their youth and their, you know, they got the young pitching coming up. They got, they just got Baez. I expect them to go out and get other pieces. Um, I like Soto a lot as my second relief pitcher, and usually he falls to, like that tenth round range. And that would have allowed me to get like okay if I wanted a pitcher let's see who's a pitcher I could have gotten Bassett or Valdez both or Valdez both of which were on my queue I could have gotten and that's probably been one of those two those are usually the two guys like in that area I usually would have taken but um yeah so it kind of threw off my whole draft also wait did what's his face go that uh, before that Stroman no Stroman wasn't gone I would have honestly I I'd take Stroman before ADP but I probably would have taken Stroman because even if I didn't take a pitcher there. I would have taken a different hitter, which would have not made me feel Change the need to take. Change something later. Yeah. It wouldn't have made me feel the need to take Hanager in the ninth. Yeah. And I would have taken Strowman knowing I needed SP because, again, McClanahan and Burns, although I love Burns, I, I like having a secure third piece there because McClanahan can bust. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he's going to do great. Obviously, I took him in the sixth round comfortably. But I think bust uh, the bust potential is there because there's a lack of track record and a whole bunch of stuff. Plus, it's the Rays. Who knows how they're going to treat them? But um, I don't feel safe with my pitching staff now because of uh, this. So,
1: yeah. yeah, no, I'm with you. I've been chasing pitching a lot of this draft. Like I, I still like my pitching staff, but it's a lot of uh, youth with question marks is the the issue. And now I'm loading up on like older guys like – People will look at my draft board and go, "These are guys you've hated forever." But in round thirty-two, <laughs> I just was—I just made a pick. I took Patrick Corbin, and that hurt so bad to take. But in my mind, <laughs> just to get in innings. <laughs> these innings—I literally, while you were talking, I was looking at his whole Fangraphs profile from the last couple of years and trying to figure it out. He you know, had the high ERA and everything. The the home run to fly ball ballooned last year, but the fly ball rates didn't change. He just gave up a boatload more barrels than he's ever given up. Like his Sierra and his ex FIPS both say that he should have been almost a full run below. Um, I'm not the pitching guru. So many are That's like the thing I'm trying to learn more than anything, but just looking at all the outlying stats, like the, the normal stuff, the ground balls, the fly balls, the hard hits, all this was normal. The barrels were higher. The home run to fly ball was higher. It's like, if you just have like a minor tweak, he can at least be a serviceable arm. I don't think he's going to be a Cy Young arm, but it could be serviceable. He could be broken. I don't know. But it was like, do I take Corbin? I take Dylan Bundy. Where am I living right now? This is the fun of being in
0: these drafts right now. And that's why these drafts are important because I agree, I'm with you. My pitching analysis isn't where it needs to be to be drafting this early, to be honest. Like, I'm, just, I'm this is my second draft, and I told myself after the first one, hey, get your pitching rankings, get your pitching analysis done. However, I haven't, and I keep falling back on, the, like, I'm looking at my first draft, and pretty much falling back on the same picks in this draft. Like, I'm getting Ross Stripling again, Matt Manning again. Like, I'm taking a little bit of upside here because these are reserve picks, but guys, I think that, can stick to now I know stripling is going to be a short leash because Nate uh, Pearson and all that but Pearson also pitched out of the bullpen last year is going to need to get stretched out I I think he starts off in the minors to get stretched out and stripling maybe by then keeps his keeps his spot but it's a big if now realistically if Nate Pearson falls again maybe I'll take him just to kind of like okay I'm securing that Jay's fifth rotation spot type of thing Mm -hmm. but otherwise um that's if he falls now that I told you what I want to do and you drive, you pick before me again
1: I promise oh, no. I will not take him with my next pick. Now, if it's two picks from now, you might be in trouble. You've had, you've been warned. I'll be nice and not take him with my next pick. Well, it may
0: be falls. I mean, but realistically, um, th- but this draft, again, because of how I just – I'm uh, you learn a lot by drafting early. Sometimes it can be quote-unquote burning money. I don't think I've done that. I think I'll be competitive, but I'm not overly confident because of my lack of prep for those late rounds compared to where I will be even in a month from now, like maybe a couple weeks from now even. Well that's why I got in with it with
1: you, because I knew you were burning money and I wasn't. So like I was I was already <laughs> thinking, okay, now it's a fourteen team league. So we got that going for us.
0: And then we have and then we have Cubby Knoll who self admittedly it wasn't like hasn't done any draft prep and just jumped in. And then we got some sharks in this deal. You actually have Waxman who's done
1: seventy five thousand drafts already. Waxman's and, trash. Uh, you got Fish who's who's Fish is an amazing... Fish is trash. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, Turnage. Yeah, Turnage. You got so many guys in here that are so good at this thing, and they just, they're like silent assassins. They just kind of do, 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 and
0: then boom, boom. You're just like, good lord. I DM'd, so. I DM'd uh, Turnage for mm-hmm. and yelled at him for constantly uh, taking your picks. sniping me. He yeah. sniped me on Winker. He sniped me on uh, Class A. Uh, it was back. It was like two in the in four rounds. He took the, uh, like a players I was like targeting. And I'm like, okay. I've had enough of you. <laughs> uh, oh, he took, he took Josh Bell right before. I was actually good. Cause I know you're a Cronenworth guy. Yeah. I was good. I wasn't going to take Cronenworth. I wanted Josh Bell. He took Josh Bell one pick ahead of me. I was like, "Well, I guess I'll fall back." And I love Cronenworth too. And that multi-position eligibility is really nice. But no, I'd rather
1: take, I'd rather have you know, Bell too. I'm with you. Wasn't the plan. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, I, I wanted Luis Urias before Gabriel Hayes, and that didn't happen. But yeah. um, you, you mentioned some of your, you know, learning uh, digging into pitching more. I saw you tweet about him, so I'm going to ask you because you took him like three picks before Stripling. Why are you all in on Matt Manning?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. Tweet. No, I, 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 you said, well, you, uh, said you have
1: them in two of two drafts, so you're yes. all in so far. <laughs> that was
0: our, that was our, that was our DM group, man. That wasn't supposed to be public No, Yeah, I did. Um, I didn't. I didn't
1: take a picture and post it like every other people do. I just
0: no. Showed. It's um, I'm just taking a shot on what I think is a secure rotation spot on a team getting better. Yeah. I'm betting on the prospect pedigree here, and he's like my SP eight or nine. So at this point, I need innings. I need a guy I think is going to grow. And it's more or less taking a chance on the po- the prospect category we saw him uh, sh- utilize and show it previously. So Matt Manning's a guy that I tend to fall back on very late in drafts and just hoping that they're hoping that he can be nearly the guy. Like if he gives me a four ERA, pitches 150 innings, that's useful in this format. That's kind of what Good I'm time. hoping for, and I think I think that's a fair ask. I mean, no, we've no. seen him be better in the minors; it hasn't translated to the majors yet. But we're talking about a single stint. And the strikeouts, I don't understand why the strikeout dips so much from the minor league track record. Usually there is a dip, but not that much. Um, I think a full off season of up with the team and kind of get well, can't even say a full off season. We don't know what's gonna happen. But yeah. assuming assuming a full off season, maybe he gets things together. I'm I'm just taking a chance there. Cause if it's not him, it's like these are the names going around him for reference for people listening. So it's Matt Manning or Michael Waka, I don't – I mean, I get. I guess Waka's maybe safer in this spot. I don't yeah, but know. In,
1: in, innings are a massive question mark.
0: Zach Thompson, which I understand innings are there, but I don't think the ceiling – I think there's less of a ceiling. I know Zach Thompson was a darling of the Marlins for a few games last year, yeah. but realistically he was like a non-prospect. Uh, Mad Bum was probably a better pick. He went before Manning, but yeah, Mad Bum – you I want innings, Mad Bum would
1: fall. you want to talk about an innings eater late in a draft? <sighs> That's beautiful.
0: That's that's really all he's giving you. But I think Manning, maybe if he doesn't give you the like, – that's why I'm saying 150. I'm trying to be – I think that's a fair ask. Yeah. And a four – like a low four ZRA feels also like a fair ask. So but he's more of a two-start streamer or injury plug-in. But, I mean, the guy right above him I took just hoping for saves and then also Lamette because Lamette, yeah. if he could be a closer, would be elite and would be he a would health be. steal.
1: He would be. I'm with you there. It's fun because looking at some of these names, it just really opens – opens things up to to what could be and like like uh, mike said with with the manning pick and a lot of these picks like i said with corbin and stuff innings are huge and the beautiful thing about this format is you just need depth because you're gonna have injuries you're gonna have guys that you just have to fill in and you know, that's why you'll start seeing a bunch like garrett crochet was just taken he's an elite reliever might not get you a ton of saves he'll get you wins good ratios you can plug him in from time to time so you have a, an arm out there essentially and that's where this format is so much more different than your your redraft. And obviously, when we get closer to the season, we'll focus more on your redraft stuff. But this is what we got right now. And that's why I go and take a guy like Patrick Corbin. We like Mad Bum. Are they elite? Are you going to play them in Coors Field? Heck no. But there's going to be matchups. There's going to be 2 start weeks where you just want those innings to try to accumulate strikeouts, maybe sneak a win in there. Um, if you go back and look at some of the guys that have posted it, I know uh, Maddie Wood and some other guys have it. If you look at the numbers that helped win a uh, draft champions – like a ERA and a whip compared to a redraft, they're way different because you are forced to use guys like Patrick Corbin, Madison Bumgarner, where in a redraft league, you might never even think about rostering them or you'll cut them the second they're bad. Like there's, there's ways you can navigate. So that's why this discussion is interesting. Is it, and, and and what we're picking right now in our draft, the redrafts already done. So these guys are going to be on the waiver wire. So they're not even an issue for you type situation. So that's what kind of, it makes it much more uh, interesting at least.
0: And this is one of those things where you listen to this conversation. Again, if you listen, if you play in shallower formats or even 15 teamers, but with a, because I guess, I, I guess this would be beyond the reserve picks at this point too, right?
1: Yeah, right, it's like 30 rounds. Like, this
0: is yeah, it. so just, we're in yeah. round 32 right now. So yes, like these would be fab pickups. Um, this is These are guys that you think about at the end of your draft or make sure you have them, just have them on your watch list. I mean, yeah. we've seen Stripling be great. And yeah. he right especially, now,
1: is, especially in a fab league for like three weeks, he's been awesome that he just dropped him again. It's beautiful.
0: Yes. And that's why it's like, I'm hoping to catch him on the right. And I'm not making fun
1: of you there. Like you giggled. I've drafted him into the, the NFC yes. 50s. Like I like, I'm on the same wavelength. You are with him.
0: It's just right now there's an opportunity there. And we've seen Nate Pearson. And we, I think we all love the idea of Nate Pearson, but at the, right now he's just an idea. So yeah. until we see the idea of Nate Pearson be a thing, Ross Stripling has that fifth starter spot, assuming they don't go out and sign somebody else. I mean, there's still that. Like that Stripling could get relegated to a bullpen role, which we've seen him flourish in. So maybe he's just a guy, a middle reliever I throw into my like healthy. I just want somebody who's gonna be healthy that because come the all-star break when half my team's on the IL, I need Ross Stripling just to be healthy. Well, be you know, be in the
1: majors and be healthy. <laughs> I've I've told the story like uh, on on some shows with Toby. Last year in my N F C fifties and whatnot, I had a couple leagues where I had no first baseman the last three weeks. Um and I've drafted three or four. Like injuries just go bananas. It's it's chaos. So it's it's big. Like it also it also makes you want to get multi-position guys a little more than you might focus on it in other leagues. Do you like that's where Cronenworth is really good in this format because he's got so much eligibility where in a redraft you go you might want that Hoskins or that Bell to play first base where you don't think about playing Cronenworth at first base, but like in week 20 of the season, he might be playing first base for you.
0: Yeah, and that's why Cronenworth was an easy choice there when Bell was taken, because I wasn't necessarily avoiding Cronenworth. I just wanted Bell more because I wanted a first baseman. But I I found myself at now two for two with Anthony Discafani and Trey Mancini he keeps falling and if you look at what happened he had a great first half and I think just the all, the All Star break slash you know fatigue kicked in and then the home run derby maybe that curse he still hit like everything was the same except for he hit a lot less home runs in the second half so I think Mancini can get back to being a thirty home run bat um but honestly I'm I'm banking on two fifty and twenty five out of him and he's gonna be be, hit, be hitting in the middle of the order possibly traded to a contender mid season. Um, I like him a lot. I keep get uh, that skill set has value in these formats, and you know he's going to play every day, likely DH. Um, I keep falling back on Mancini at first base. I've noticed, but Cronenworth going back to the multi position eligibility it allows me to plug and play because I have Mancini, I can put first base now, move Cronenworth around to corner infield, middle infield, second base. He's been a nice luxury because later in the draft, when I was eyeing Wilmer Flores, I did de- I decided I didn't have to take him because. As long as Cronenworth can stay healthy. I know I put my all my eggs in one basket here. I still have obviously picks to make that will help. I, I've gone really deep in outfield stuff, but he allows me Cronenworth allows that. And I think if you can get two of those guys, it's even better because now Cronenworth, I can move him around. And if I had if I get one more or had one more, I can plug that person into this position, and Cronworth kind of becomes a util for the team too, while not yeah. crushing you anywhere.
1: Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. Like uh and I'm just—I just keep staring at this draft board, seeing guys I had targeted that these guys are taking. You
0: stole just, Colton Long the round I was going to take him. I took Mancini because you took Colton Long. By the way,
1: that's the thing is, and that goes back to what we we're saying about the rankings in general. You have to be able to adapt. Like I—I I have so many guys in my queue. It's just, and it's silly. Some are just silly names, but it like it helps my team build out. And then that guy's gone, and then that guy's gone. It's like you guys got to be kidding me right now <laughs> with what you're doing here. Um, One thing I will mention, and I haven't seen it in obviously I like 12 team leagues. I talked about it with the guilds a couple weeks ago. I'll be playing in some OCs this year for the first time because I, I kind of, I like the ability to be able to navigate a waiver wire where you're not like forced to take garbage just to fill a roster where a 15 team there's weeks where you're just like, Oh, okay, well he's going to hit, but is it worth it type thing? But, um, and you but you just need the at-bats where a 12 team, it's fun. Um, so the NFPC fifties I love, they're a cheaper, cheaper platform for people that to get their feet wet in the system, the whole deal. Um, the catcher pool there, obviously in 12 team compared to 15 is you can get three or four guys pretty easily. You can wait and get too, too late type deal. They flew in this draft. Have you noticed that as in your other 15s, like this is, I guess I have two, but I usually have three or so by now and I just don't want to force my hand anymore. Cause it's ugly.
0: Um, I mean, I don't know if you've looked at my catcher too. <laughs> I just took them in <laughs> that's, that's, that shows you how bad it was. Um, I kept procrastinating, yeah. Jonah Haim is my <laughs> catcher number two, which is terrible. He should be no he should never be someone's number two catcher. No. And here I am. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. Um, that's what happens when you wait on catcher. Like I'm probably higher on Travis Darno than a lot. After looking into him, I think he's gonna be more, especially if the, I'm banking on the DH and the NL. So with him, that's probably why I'm a little higher because I saw how heavily he was utilized. Now I know they have Marcelo Zun over there in, in Atlanta. And other options for the DH, which they utilized Marcelo Zuna in the DH in 2020. That team is very similar from 2020 to 2022, by the way. With or without Freeman, you can plug and play whoever's going to be there. But um, they utilized Ozuna heavily, but when they weren't utilizing Ozuna, it was almost always Darno. And Darno had like eight starts as a DH, which kept him healthy all through 2020, which isn't a big sample size but and big enough. But it showed that they were able to keep him on his feet, which is more than what can be said pretty much every other year. So there is question marks there. But um, if the DH comes to the NL, I think it benefits not only Azuna because he's going to likely be the DH most of the time, but I think Darno picks up his days off as the DH so they can keep their his bat in the lineup. So Darno's is a guy I've become higher on because of this theory of mine because they've shown this willing to do so. Even in interleague play, when he was healthy, he actually was utilized as a DH in one of those games last year in 2021 so again they're showing their willingness to to give him those dh at bats which is big for Darno because that bat can be difference making at the catcher position yeah no that makes a lot of
1: sense and that leads me to one of my my last topics in our little open discussion here is the in in, the nl is going to get a dh i think that's just a given if it doesn't this is the worst collective bargaining agreement i've ever seen like this should happen for sure um you wrote, a, you wrote a column on skplaybook.com about your what you think the effect would be uh, with the DH at least on catchers. Because I, I agree where it will help some, but it's not going to help as many as I think people think type situation. That was my whole people, thing. <laughs> yeah, they think it's a given. So where do you think it lands to help out? Because some teams think it's going to use it as a day off for so many guys. They don't have a
0: guaranteed DH. Yeah. Um... So I think it's just going to be team specific, but I mean, I, I didn't look at the AL. I just didn't, because we, we know almost just by watching baseball, it's rare. You see a catcher DH and if it is, it's Gary Sanchez, right? Like a big bat, at least it was Gary Sanchez before the D before uh, Stanton was pretty much a full-time DH, but um, it's very, very few. And that's going to hold true to the NL. I think people, for some reason, and I think, I don't know why, maybe it's just, I'm, maybe I'm, think i'm seeing it more than i am but i feel like people overestimate the effect of the dh for the catcher as a whole and that's what led me down this data this analysis just because all we have for nl like any type of data point was 2020 and then obviously interleague play in 2021 and the only the one the only teams like teams like the cubs like they have but they have contreras a good hitter who's a catcher is who's going to benefit vermuto contreras and that's why darno was the big surprise because darno i mean i knew he was a decent hitter but I didn't realize how much the Braves were willing to utilize him as a DH. Now, all this can change based on who teams sign. If, if Nelson Cruz goes to the Braves or Soler goes back to the Braves and they have Soler and Ozuna, bye-bye those extra bats for Darno, most likely. Because there's no way they want to put both of those guys in the field. Although I am wondering with Soler, and I think I swear I've heard this before with him, playing the field seems to make him better because look what happened when we went to the NL and played the field. And it's... I think he's one of those guys. I feel like I've heard that before with him. I'd have to go find the article.
1: I, I can go check into it a little later as well because uh, another thing on the Josh Donaldson front, I'm terrified if he becomes a full-time DH because if you look at his splits, at least just last year alone, he was horrible as a designated hitter.
0: That's an interesting so, a little uh, split. I wonder how he is at first career. Have you looked at the career? I did not see the DH career. I,
1: I just looked at 2021 splits last, when I was doing my article. And uh, it just goes to show you because there's some players that have talked about it that it was always impressive oh, yeah. for like, Ortiz and Frank Thomas because they could find a way to get in a rhythm but you hear other players they get the random day at a DH they just kind of sit there on the bench like oh crap I got a hit like where these <laughs> other guys are in the tunnel like hitting off a tee to stay loose and everything it's a different mindset to be in the game that not all these guys have just yet so it's a it's a different animal for sure let's take a quick break from tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba let me talk to you about fantracks.com. and just 2022 and are about a week away, give or take. It's fancy baseball season. That's the bottom line, folks. If you're listening to the podcast. You want to play some fancy baseball? We want a third base. Review the most boring position. Well, catcher's most boring, but pretty darn close. But you know what isn't boring? Like I said, Fantrax.com, the most customizable site for fantasy baseball you can find on the market. Especially if you're in the dynasty leagues, the deepest player pools. You can find on the market. It's absolutely amazing. I've been playing at Fantrax for a few years now. I love it. Anything you want to do, any type of format, it's great. If you've never played on Fantrax, bring your league over. They'll take care of it. You'll be upgraded. Great stuff over there. Get to try all the tools Fantrax has to offer. It is absolutely amazing. If you're new to Fantrax, use uh, Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to sign up over there. Get your account. Get going. Try some best balls. Try some drafting holes. Get in there. There's public leagues. There's private leagues. All kinds of stuff at Fantrax.com. It is an absolute blast. Right now I'm running my Beat Bubba uh, Best Ball Leagues, Draft and Hole Leagues. We're going to do many of these throughout the next month or so. So if you're interested, fill out the forms I tweet out. Come join us if you're new. Fantrax.com backslash Bubba. All kinds of great stuff there, but it gets better. It gets better. He's not a third baseman. He's a shortstop. But if you are new and you use Fantrax.com backslash Bubba, use promo code TATIS, T-A-T-I-S. You know why? You'll be entered to win a free autographed Fernando Tatis Jr. baseball. So check out Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to get your teams going for the 2022 fantasy baseball season. But for now, back to Venged with Bubba.
0: And it's weird because again, that's not that's never looked at. Although maybe maybe Donaldson, I feel like Donaldson's the type of guy because you've seen him. He seems yeah. pretty smart with baseball. we have seen him on. Um MLB network and all that. I think he could adapt given if he was given Ag- if agree. he was given the opportunity to yeah. say, hey, by the way, we're going to DH you three times a week. Maybe he'll find a routine. Yeah. But um, he's one of the few guys I would I think would adapt. But yes, I agree. um, that's an interesting stat about him as a DH though. I didn't look at that one. So, yeah, yeah, no,
1: and I, I'm not gonna like, like I said I'm not gonna count that as a reason not to draft him. But it's just one of those things where it goes to the conversation of who benefits from the DH and might not be what you think. Yeah, Um, it it just it sure it adds another hitter to a lineup, which is always great. But it makes things interesting in those regards as well. So something to think about. Yeah. Um, let's do some player discussions real quick, and we'll we'll have some fun with this because I know these will turn into whole other discussions as well. Um, I'm gonna say our boy because I'm with you because I have Frank Schodel in so many leagues right now. So many leagues. Uh, you wrote him up. I I picked him up on the Fab a lot last year. He was huge for the finish of my season. Um, This boy can hit, finally got his first opportunity last season with the Cubs once the A's traded him, and I'm a believer in what we're seeing. What do you got on Frankie Schwindel on your article about him?
0: So I went in, I I go in with an open mind. I really do. I let the stats kind of speak to me, and I was kind of surprised at what they had projected for him, given they only have like steamer or steamer hasn't projected for like 130 games and give him give him like 25 home runs over 130 games. I'm like, I see more of a 25 home run guy in general with a ceiling of possibly 30 because the hit tool is legit, but he has a, what, what what scares me about Schwindel is that willingness to chase and that, and the high, the, off, he actually makes a ton of contact. So it's great. He has a good hit tool. He makes a ton of contact, but if he's willing to chase, I think it was 38% of the time it was his O swing. Which is your you know, swing outside the zone for those who might not know. Um, and if you make as much contact as he does, that's gonna lead to a lot of soft contact. And we actually saw that we saw that his hard hit rate was like league average, his um the uh average launch average uh velocity on his fly balls and line drives was actually below average, I believe, or close to average. Uh so it wasn't the, so the power didn't make sense to me the power surge and he and then i don't look at expected stats much but i do like to look at them in terms of okay well he did well in this little stint he put up 30 home runs in like 118 games between the uh, between the two levels last year so i look at his x stats and schwindel's x stats compared to his uh, compared to his production were like way off too like he way overperformed which again my now my initial dive into a player like him show that he overperformed and then that just kind of was like okay that shows it too so i wasn't crazy for seeing that so i think ultimately he's a bat i mean realistically the hit tool can lend itself to a good average the power there's enough power there to get 25 home runs in a full season playing time is the only question does he get traded off midseason to a contender as a bench bat um that's why like you said our boy i'm like i'm not quite sold on him because <laughs> i keep that's why i keep falling back on mancini because i think mancini and then I take Jesus, Jesus Aguilar, kind of like, and I think Schwindel sandwiched between them and most people in ranks and in ADP. I find both those guys safer in playing time. I find those guys to have a track record of production and a very similar idea and skill set as for Schwindel, but with that track record. So it's like, I tend to not get him because 29-year-old breakouts aren't my thing and the skill set isn't flashy. And what if pitchers realize he's willing to chase and start throwing him out of the zone more, causing increased um, increased soft contact. And now you're looking at a guy who the hit tool isn't going to carry as well when you're willing to chase and hit the ball out of the zone and create soft contact because now you're going to be grounding out a lot or flares or whatever, you know?
1: Yeah, and that's, that's the thing with him. I'm with you. I believe the batting average is legit. Like, he can definitely do that. Yeah, power. Power can come and go, especially with the guys that haven't proven it. And that that's always the tough part. It's like, do you buy into it? I think he does have regular playing time until he obviously could get traded because the Cubs are doing Cubs things. And he's older. That's the one thing people I don't know if they pay that close attention. He's a young prospect. He's been a game for a while. So he's definitely a piece that can get dished out somewhere to a needs to place type scenario. So that's an option as well. The uh, question I have for you as we can play. You, you mentioned you take Asus Aguilar. I get it. He gets underappreciated a ton too. Um, would you rather take Frank Schwindel or Nathaniel Lowe? Oh,
0: I might go low because of, I think, Lowe. I think they're both going to hit close to the middle of the order. I think Lowe now comes more interesting because I think RBI opportunity just got bumped up for him way more than we're going to see with the Cubs. And I think we can see, I mean, Lowe can literally hit, lock himself into hundred RBIs assuming that uh, that's a big assumption, assuming health for uh Seager, but if Seager and Simeon are healthy, those guys, are, I, think, I think the power gets hampered a little bit by Texas. So they're on base. I think the, the extra base hits get brought up, get up more. And then you have Nathaniel Lowe there to hit them in. And I think the RBI opportunities there are going to be great. And I'm leaning low because I also trust the playing time more because Texas doesn't have a... They look like they're going to go for it. If Lowe is performing, they're not going to trade him. Schwindel, the Cubs, I don't know what to think. They get Showman. They're rumored to get Correa, so maybe they will make a push and keep Schwindel there for for the whole year. But I'm more likely to think that the Cubs trade Schwindel, again, to become more of a platoon slash bench bat for a contending team. So that those, like again, these are all... Those are tie-breaking factors for me. So that's why it's like I'm kind of low. Like, I hate that I'm kind of low on um, Schwindel because of like these weird things I have a up in my head about him.
1: <laughs> well, and, and I agree with Nathaniel Lowe that I think uh, it's not talked about enough. It's, he's a huge benefactor of those two signings, uh, I, maybe more so than those two signings are. So that's interesting as well. What about Frank Schwindel or Brandon Belt?
0: That's this is where I take Schwindel because Belt just, the, it's, I think Belt, I like Belt full-time playing somewhere else I just don't think a he's gonna play full-time here if he struggles at all against lefties B the health at this point I think you got to question it I do like belts I think belts the better player I just think Schwindel will remain on the field more and the best ability is availability right
1: yeah no it totally is and that's been my biggest thing because I love Brandon Belt I even wrote about it in my <laughs> my first base primer it's like the dude is awesome I, I kind of as much as I'm glad he came back to the Giants, I was hoping he'd go to like Yankee Stadium or something. And just go let people see 35 to 40 home runs because he is that good. But you nailed it. It's the availability thing, and that's and that's why I'm getting a lot of flack for uh, my discussion. Well, it's a guy we'll talk about later. We can, we'll talk about him now. Luke Voigt. Um, I, I I tweeted it out and like I get the fact people. I'm not clueless of the fact that he's the 29th first baseman off the board around pick 280. I get that. That is a crazy price tag for Luke Voigt. That makes a lot of sense to me. He's going after Frank Schwedell, by the way. But um, the thing I wanted to point out is everyone's talking at bats. We need at bats. We need all these at bats, Mike. It's just, it's the only way to go. Well, um, outside of playing 56 games in a 60 game season, he's played 68 or fewer games in four of his five major league baseball seasons. Like, um, I don't know about you, but that doesn't bode well. Like, his most at bats was last year at 241 when he hit you 11 home runs at hit 239. And he basically was a backup to Anthony Rizzo by the time it was all said and done. So um, I understand, you know, if he plays a full healthy season, he could hit 35, 40 home runs. Are you willing to take that chance even at pick 280? I get there's value to be had there. But um, like looking at our draft board at pick 280, so let's, let's 150, we'll go 180. Let's just say round 24 even. We'll just have fun with it. Round 24 you got still usable pieces and starting pitching that you might need. You got catchers that are potentially there the round before that a ton of outfielders. You can take a chance on like Jaron Duran and company. Are you willing to take a chance on Luke Voigt?
0: No, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just out. And um, you kind of hit the nail on the head as to why with Luke Voigt, it's all about the health or lack thereof. And the Yankees have been rumored to Freeman and Olson at this point. Yep. So, may- maybe Voight gets interesting and a little more valuable to me if traded. Because I think right now, the reason why his price is low is not only because of the health issues and the lack of health a- as a whole, but Voight is assumed to be the backup, right? As- given how Yankees have he been used them last and- year. That- that's how I see it. People are telling
1: I'm telling you, Reddit is a fun place. You know this oh, very well. I refuse um, to believe I've that it's not fun. So many people. <laughs> saying how could you not have luke Voit? Blah, blah 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 i ranked 30 guys he's 29th off the board what if i had him at 32 like give me a freaking break and yes. secondly I, I explained this like well if you said so-and-so i'm like so-and-so has a freaking job like they yes. said well, you have rowdy tellez rowdy tellez is the starting first baseman for the milwaukee brewers barring something crazy where luke Voit, a doesn't play more than a third of the baseball season and and two like you said i agree I don't think he's the everyday guy for them. They proved that last year. So I, I think I
0: think the Yankees realize how injury-prone he is. I think he can be the everyday guy for somebody. I just don't think the Yankees are going to do it. I think the Yankees want, one, a left-handed bat in that lineup besides 100%. Joey Gallo, which, which I mean, he needs – I don't know, man. Gallo upsets me every year, but I'm just looking at the roster resource page now. They have Hicks, which – can they really bank on Hicks to stay in the lineup? No. So that's not only is there injury-prone issues up, up and down the lineup, but then – they're left, They lack left-handed bats. And if they get a Gala, oh, sorry, Gallo, if they get a, a Olsen or a Freeman, it fits their first base need, gives them a lefty bat in the middle of the order. It's a win-win for them. I mean, I think yeah. I feel like that's the way they want to go if they can. And that leaves Luke Voigt on the outside looking in. And that's assuming, I mean, Luke Voigt probably will get moved in a, in a deal like that, I would Maybe think. Maybe they
1: trade him to, to Oakland for Matt Olson, but does and, that even do it for you in Oakland? That makes him
0: more appealing because at least there I He'll trust play the him. playing time. Yeah. <laughs> I trust him to play until he can't, until he's off the field with an injury. But I, but at that and at that point, then the price makes more sense. But I probably won't end up with him because I just end up with other players ahead of him. But I will be more confident in the playing time, which will make the price at least far more appealing, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: yeah, because like in our draft one right now, our buddy Fish took him at pick one sixty one, and his Fish average ADP is boy- two. Wait. His average ADP is two eighty. Fish. fish fish jumped them 120 picks what are you doing fish
0: why do you you know what thanks for the donation
1: buddy <laughs> well because look at this let me find Voight again before that pick because our adps aren't
0: in here yet his high was 240 fish just set the high by 80 picks <laughs> i think i think i'd rather take max muncie and i don't even think max Muncy is gonna play this year yeah i don't think Max Muncy's gonna play <laughs> but
1: somebody did three picks or two picks yes, earlier he that's why i took said max muncie yeah so um and I love fish, he's a sharp sharp I, dude. I so but he also I've,
0: he also jumped Lane Thomas, didn't he? Now yeah, I'm looking I'm, at it. I,
1: I'm gonna have to ask him what his uh viewpoint is there on Luke Voight. But you mentioned Lane Thomas, you just wrote up Lane Thomas, so what you got on Lane Thomas?
0: So Lane Thomas is a guy that I'm a little bullish on, but the price is coming like it was like, Oh, he's going outside the top three hundred. I like this, and then I got beat to him in our draft in arizona so i was like and of course it was by toby who's as sharp as anybody in that room we're all laughing i mean that time for a little story was what he was like the only person there that had like oh he's like my system isn't fully ready but we're like wait your system is still up and running though like you have a system in place (laughs) meanwhile like we all like you said we were running for just a list of players and i think mason had his ranks somewhat done or mostly done then spore had some done and then toby had a freaking system like partially done and the system spit out players for him as it was. So that's why it's funny. But anyway, I digress. I, I found that very comical. I love Toby, man. He's so awesome for that reason. Like it made us all laugh. And he, he felt like insecure with his with his, with his readiness. And we're over here like, dude, at least you have a part of a system. And we're over here. Like there, I think I'm gonna take this guy. And I'm over here asking every time, is my guy available? Is this guy available? Like I keep asking. (laughs) Uh,
1: Toby's funny because he's got that system even when we do our review pods right now. And he's like, I haven't looked at this in a while. I need to see where he sets up in my deal. And I'm like, You're
0: still going to beat everybody this year, aren't you? You're just going to (laughs) be like, you're just like, and he does it because he's so smart like that. Dude, it's awesome. He's so awesome. I don't know. It's just it's part of the it's part of his personality I've come to know, and it's even better. Like the fact that it's like just part of him. Like you expect this, you know. But anyway, I digress. What was the question? Oh, back to Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas. Well, he he took him from me, and that's why I remembered. Um, but Lane Thomas. So Lane Thomas crushed lefties last year, and has crushed lefties all all around so far. And again, very small sample with Thomas. He hasn't had much of an opportunity to play. Uh, and play full-time at that but the reason why i have some optimism towards thomas playing um more so versus writers and keeping that leadoff spot is not only do he perform while obviously p- uh, hitting leadoff for the nationals but they don't really have much of a reason not to give him an opportunity to run with it to start and he has really good plate discipline against right-handed pitching actually like he actually uh, i think it was his first career i'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now sorry i'm gonna be level the splits yeah so he even even though he struggled against righties he's had bad babbitt luck t- hitting a whopping 208 or the babbitt was a whopping 208 against righties in his career so far and he's still striking out just 25.9% of the time while walking at a double digit clip at, of 12%. so if thomas can take this good plate discipline against righties, so at least when he's struggling against them it's not from a lack of seeing the ball well or a lack of plate discipline you know he's not striking out like austin meadows does against lefties like 30 like a 30% plus clip so I like seeing that there's a decent base of plate discipline there against righties. So I think there's that's a reason to be optimistic that we can see better performance against right-handed pitching. Plus, down the stretch, it wasn't sexy, but I know he hit like 225 against righties with uh, with even better plate um, plate uh, discipline again during that small sample with the Nationals. And he is only like I think 26 years old, so there is a chance again growth is still there. It's kind of like a mid like you're not used to seeing this mid 20s year old breakout, you know, type of thing, but. I think there. I think the power and speed skill set is there. We've seen it in the. Tr- we've seen the track record of that in the minors for Lane Thomas, and you pair that with what I see as a potential for growth against righties and playing time that should be abundant, especially if there's a DH. I'm pegging him to be the leadoff guy as of right now because he showed su- such success in said role last year. I think they're going to give him a chance to run with it. And that makes me very intrigued with them because now you have power, speed and opportunity. And those are the big three. When you look for guys going later in dress that you want to target to be able to fill in rosters or be a bench spot. And Lane Thomas in shallower leagues won't be a starter for most people. He's going to be a bench bat, which a good good one because he or will be a fifth outfielder for shallower leagues. So I'm falling more and more in love with him, but I am apprehensive because of the struggles against righties. However, like right now the price is getting kind of iffy for me i liked him as, like them as i guess i like him he was going around pick 300 now he's jumped up to about 250 since december started so thomas is kind of getting to that point where it's like do i really like it's becoming like if i if i, and I usually address speed by then too so it's been mm-hmm. like i haven't had to, i haven't had to force lane thomas as much as i do like him i haven't had to force putting him on my team because i've addressed speed otherwise but I mean, or you have fish. Oh, my dog's barking. Someone came in. Well, um, you, or you have fish uh, jumping him. But let me get him. Let, let me let him out. I'll let you know. Like. No problem.
1: No problem. I'm interested in Lane Thomas. Like He's very, very intriguing to me because of the leadoff factor. I think he will play every day. And we've talked about it time and time again on so many shows that, obviously, spot in the order will help tremendously when you're trying to accumulate stats. And that's what Lane Thomas can do. He can get on base with the occasional home run, of course. But you can get on base, steal some bags. You still got Juan Soto back there. You got Josh Bell. You got some competent bats behind him that can drive in some runs. So I, I'm, I'm a fan of what Lane Thomas can bring to a team. I'm with you there. It, it does stink. He's going up, and I can see it keep climbing as we start seeing the stolen base trend continue to flow, and it becomes much more intriguing uh, through the draft season. But, you know, looking at the ADP, I just have December's DC ADP up. And you mentioned Lane Thomas, 252. Um, he's going right before guys like Mark Connor.
0: Would you rather have Mark Connor or Lane Thomas? After hearing all the trends about Showalter not running much, yeah. I don't know if Kana's speed is going to be difference-making enough for him to be running as much. So I think I'm going to start preferring, although it was Kana and Kana by a long, by a large margin like prior to this Buck Showalter deal. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's a conversation to have, and I will give Lane Thomas the edge because I do believe, again, at that point you're targeting Kana, you're targeting him for speed. You're not targeting him for the power-speed combo. I think yeah. I think Thomas' is more of a sure thing is all.
1: Lane Thomas at 252 or Tommy Pham at 274.
0: Give me Lane Thomas. I just don't trust Pham to stay healthy. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I don't know how much I'm is he
1: going to run this year? Lane Thomas at 252 or Harrison Bader at 227.
0: That one is intriguing. I'm going to go. And I had this in my head. It's like I, I, I sit there and think hard on this one. Actually, I have. I'm going to say Bader. And it's and what sucks about that is, um, Bader isn't he's gonna hit the bottom of the order, so that's why it's I'm torn. But the glove is so good and elite that it's gonna keep him in the field no matter what. Yeah,
1: no, I'm with you. The thing that with Bader that, that kills me every time, and it, it's maybe it's something I shouldn't care about, but again, I just said it with Lane Thomas the batting order is so clutch. Bader just doesn't hit at the top, it's just no. it's so it's the so tilty and he's always at the bottom no matter because I guess it's a benefit to what the Cardinals have built there but there's nowhere for Bader up, up top because they're not going to put him in the middle. So he's either top or bottom. And right now he's the bottom. So it makes it pretty tricky. There with Harrison Bader. And that's, I guess what turns me off on drafting him, but could be a, a, a thumb that bites me. Cause all it takes is like one injury and he could probably slide up the lead off and, and do the whole thing. So it's an interesting option for sure. Uh, Dalton Varsho to talked about him real quick. Uh, I know it's a, it's a fun conversation piece out there. I just wrote a, a, my little thoughts on him as if to Varsho or not to Varsho because People still to this day have trouble understanding why taking a catcher early is important. If It's not mandatory. It's not a must, but there's a lot of ways to do it, and it, it makes sense. Like the Rio Mutas of the world, you know, you get the 20 to 25 homers, the 10 to 15 steals. That's huge at the catcher's position. You just have to know how the risk-reward of where you're picking guys, and that's why I wrote the Varsho piece because there's a lot of risk-rewards. We know a Rio Mutas is going to play. Varsho showed us last year what he can be. And what it is is the backup catcher to Kelly, so he keeps his, his catcher eligibility and an outfielder. And playing in the outfield is huge because it rests those knees and allows him to keep stealing bases. We've seen him in the minors. I, I did I did his like minor league seasons combined in like a, a 162 pace. It was ridiculous. It was like 30-ish homers, uh, 20-ish stolen bases. So not probably sustainable, but give me close to Rio Muto. Take a little step back, we're getting closer to the Rio Muto world. It always relies on playing every day, but he's a legit speed guy he's just behind real muto and catcher's sprint speed he's he, he's a, way above the league average in the sprint speed um i like what i'm seeing with varsho he's like the fourth fifth uh, catcher off the board after your 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 real muto's your Perez's, your will smiths it's just and he's around pick 100 compared to around pick like 40 where you're going so it's like a 60 pick different but if you say you want him i have to jump him because he's going to move up i know you like I, I know you're interested in a guy like varsho um what's your thoughts on him
0: yeah, I, I'm 100% with you. I took him fourth as a fourth catcher in the D.C. and Arizona, and I would still take him as the fourth. I you can argue the third. I just have a hard time taking him over Will Smith because of the track record for Will Smith. But the skill set for Varsho is more intriguing. It's almost like I, I I actually tweeted it out this morning right before we started. It was Romuto. Why is Romuto being looked at as the number two catcher when speed is such a sought after category? All things being all things being equal, are we really expecting 48 home runs again for Sal? Both hit close to two. Like if you if you get 260, 20 to 25 home runs and 10 plus home bases from Real Muto, why is that less valuable than getting close to 40 home runs and 270 batting average from the catcher? I can deal with that difference in batting average. And on top of that, I'm surprised his batting average is so high, given how how free swinging Salvi is. It's a whole other discussion though, because he doesn't have the same speed and all that that you know Baez and ex- other players with a similar profile have i digress however it's kind of the same conversation now you have this guy who's rock solid in terms of power and 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 probably batting and batting average for most part and now you're taking a guy who's like a poor man's Romuto and they're going back to back as well at least in my ranks so um it's all about what you need and speed is what we need and we saw uh varsho in the second half last year like he kind of was like a bust for the first half obviously didn't play much came up and hit 290 in the second half with 10 home runs and five stolen bases so you can, I think 2010 is a fair estimate. And you mentioned playing time with Varsho, and again going back to that, that whole catcher thing, Varsho is who stood out for the for the Diamondbacks in terms of the DH because when they had the DH, mm-hmm. they DH'd Varsho plenty, along with playing him in outfield and as a catcher. Same thing with in 2021, they they were willing to like bounce him around back and forth. So I think the DH could benefit his at bats, but I think he's gonna play more than your average catcher. So playing time is huge for him. Varsho yep. being the fourth catcher off the board, I think should be commonplace, and you can and argue it, higher.
1: And he's he's another reason why people, when they just look at like projections, need to really. I talked about it with, with Matt last episode because he did some articles on it. Varsho Steamer only has for like ninety three games. Let's be realistic mm. here, barring something silly, he's playing probably one forty. Yeah, I don't so. understand
0: why. Where is that coming from? That seems yeah, off.
1: That that that's why it's like Steamer projections are great. They're fun. It's the what we have right now. Obviously, things can get tweaked. But you have to like go into this with like a, a logical situation and go, okay, if they have him for 93, but you want 140, now what do we got? Like, so go use the Steamer 600, which has around 140 games. And maybe he's closer to that than you're thinking. And we use the Steamer 600 projections, I have the numbers right here on my – I always write down notes before I write an article. So I have – um where did my – there it is. So on um, Steamer 600, using 142 games, 53 average, 23 homers, 71 7, seven or 77 11 steals. I think steals are low, to be honest. But um, he'd have the 10th best average at catcher, the fifth best home runs, second best runs, second, run, second best RBI, second best stolen bases. And I think that's a realistic thing. And as you mentioned with the um, the DH, I think it'll help Kelly DH more to save him because his bat was very. He was hitting cleanup for the B-backs. like he especially against lefties, he was crushing them. So. I think they could put him at DH, which, again, puts Varsho at catcher, which is most important because the biggest question mark with Varsho is would he keep eligibility? And Because a lot of the questions I get with Varsho when I wrote my article was for Dynasty, would you keep him? I said, I get it. It's tricky because if he loses catcher eligibility, now he's just another, he's another guy. He's, he's just another guy. But as that catcher, it's tremendous. So I took him in my last NFBC 50 as a catcher i think it's very intriguing so um, i'm with you but you said you take him over grand doll is it strictly because of the stolen bases you're you're muted on me
0: i muted because my kids and my they were yelling <laughs> with a dog in the background i apologize um no i think i'm glad you pointed that out because i just kept talking it didn't funny um grand doll the reason why I have him ahead of him is two things. I, I think Randall is kind of a one trick pony. I mean, I know we saw that hot run at the end of the year where he hit like over three hundred and all the home runs and all that. But I think realistically, outside of on base percentage leagues, he's like a two thirty to two forty hitter. Mm-hmm. So I think the batting average floors for both of them are very similar. Like I can see Marshall hitting two forty, but I think oh, it's yeah. gonna be better than that. But I think I, I again I don't like power over anybody who gives me 10 plus steel potential at the catcher position. It's just hard for me to take power when I usually just power. Otherwise I'm big on Schwarber. I'm big on, um, I'll take Hanager happily like in this middle, in these mid rounds to make up for the power. And that's the same type of skills that you're getting from the catcher spot. So if I can get steals from catcher, I think that's a big advantage. So that's why I have our show fourth and i'm honestly like toying with the idea of third i don't know but the thing is i don't have to rank them third to get them third i just i just i i, I can let everyone else take will smith and i'll just fall back on Barsha every time i get to freaking get them in a draft though but i do like, outside of uh f but i really do like them and i have zero qualms with anybody who ranks them even higher i think wasn't it um who was it that had them first by projections to start um
1: i honestly don't know but there was it a, wouldn't surprise uh, me
0: Okay, uh, damn it! It's gonna bother me because it's uh, it's a huge name. It's I can't believe I'm forgetting his name right now. It's not Phil Dussault. No, 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 no. He he. I don't think Phil tells anybody anything. No, really. he doesn't.
1: He he will not. Is it uh, smart?
0: Look, it yeah. worked out for him. Why? Why would he? Right? Exactly. Um, I'm with you. It's a million, <laughs> but I can't think of it. it's gonna drive me nuts. Um, well, it is a huge, think... huge industry name too, and that's why it's driving me nuts.
1: Well, why you think about that? Let's talk about your next guy because you tweeted about him uh, yesterday, or the day before. So I just want to get your thoughts on Austin Riley. Where you're talking about, you know, if he does this, if he does that, sure. But I'm kind of going to pass on him and go get someone else. So what what is it about Austin Riley that's not doing it for you, or is it strictly that he's the fifth third baseman at pick
0: 58 right now? Price, yeah, just price. I don't think he's the 300 hitter he was last year. I think last year could have very well been the career year, which is crazy to say about like a 23 or 24 year old guy. But we saw that with Harper, and I don't. This isn't a direct comp to Harper. We saw Harper peak a valley and then peak again last year. Now it's possible Riley has another big year like this, obviously, but I just don't think it's very commonplace even for a young guy to have this peak season and to keep repeating when he did essentially overperform most like in for, for lack of a better term in terms of like, again, the batting average and stuff. I don't see his, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit, I think he's going to get closer to 70 for the most part. And I just, the skill set. And that it's really about that skill set in the fourth round or in the fifth round even i'm looking for speed still or i'm looking for starting pitching i'm not looking for any i'm not looking for a power bat with a good batting average like he had a 368 babip mm-hmm. like that's not gonna sustain for him that's not his skill set now he has shown consistent improvement in his plate discipline he doesn't still bases though he's and he's only only a 30 home run bat with an inflated babip i don't I just, I don't see it now. The BABIP will be a little higher if he can sustain these the line drive rate has been elite for Riley for pretty much his whole career as a pro. And as long as he can sustain that elite line drive rate, it'll help the BABIP and help the batting average play up. But there's just I think it's I think the skill set I think it's really just a skill set thing for me more than anything above average uh, swinging strike rate above league average uh, O swing. So he shows a willingness to chase and and obviously swing and miss in the zone while making lower than league average contact rates so i think there's regression like obviously regression is already built into most people's minds but that's why i mentioned it would anybody be surprised if riley hit 255 after i just told you he's below league average in contact at while being above league average and swing and miss in the zone and uh or yeah, swing start rate and uh o swing that that combination can lead to batting average issues so if he hit 250 and had 30 plus home runs, that's pretty much Arenado, and I could just yep. wait and get Arenado. Like not, I do think Riley has the better ceiling at this point for batting average. That's why I understand he's ahead of him. I, I rank Riley ahead of Arenado too, but yep. not two or three rounds ahead of him.
1: No, I totally get that. Like looking at Arenado, the consistency he brings going that much later is is quite intriguing. Like the appeal of Riley, it's I guess it's the whole. I want to draft for the ceiling because I want to win an overall compared to the opposite type situation. It could be the conversation to have him play there, but I just wanted to, to talk it out instead of just seeing a Twitter uh, tweet about it because it is, it is interesting. It's nothing against Riley per se it's more the price point, which mm-hmm. dictates a lot of our decisions when we're talking about these players. Uh, the last player I wanted to discuss, we've I've hinted at him a million times on the show is Josh Donaldson, because you opened my eye when you tweeted about him. So then I started digging in even more. And I got very intrigued by what I saw with Josh Donaldson because he's going, I, I mentioned it earlier, he is the um, twenty or 19th third baseman at pick 223 after Heimer Canolario, right in front of Eugenio Suarez, Gavin Biggio. Uh, he's going well after, like 25 picks after Matt Chapman. And like, not that I don't like Matt Chapman, I get it, I really do, but Josh Donaldson, Hit 247 last year. Um, he's usually a 250 ish, two, like high 250s into even 280, 290s at times. Um, the power is legit, only 26 home runs. Uh, I'll let you have the floor in a second, but things that stood out to me is everyone said he's injury prone. No, Luke Voigt's injury prone. Josh Donaldson's played in 135 or more games in six of the last eight full seasons with at least 543 at bats, which is pretty good at that point in the draft. Um, he also has great OBP skills. The biggest things that stood out to me this past year, a 268 BABIP, which is insane for Josh Donaldson, for a guy that hits the ball as hard as he does, barrels the ball as much as he does, uh, barrels per plate appearance, third best in baseball this past year. And I was tweeting Mike yesterday, trying to get numbers on ground ball uh, exit velocities. Josh Donaldson was a 90.4 mile per hour exit velocity. If you just do the basis with no plate appearance recommendations, that's 20th in baseball. If you do it with 2,000 pitches, which is basically your regulars, your Vlad Guerrero's, your Stanton's, your judges, the big boys, he was eighth in baseball. So he hits the ball hard. It's not that he was fluky. I ask you, are you buying back in on Josh Donaldson? Because between a a drop in home run to fly ball and a ridiculous BABIP, I see no reason why he should not bounce back next year.
0: Yeah, that's why I said he's a very intriguing corner infield position because I understand the risk is there, but the same risk was there for Justin Turner going earlier than him last year. And Justin Turner continues to go earlier than him. And I understand Turner has that floor of, of batting average. I don't think the power is as is as is as uh elite. Obviously, we talked you you mentioned it. So Donaldson's a guy that I have none of. I, I don't I, I can't sit here and say, Oh, I'm in on him when I haven't gotten him. But I don't think I'm out. Is the point? Like I'm willing to take him. I think where he went, I was lying him because we're ta- we're all talking about how bad third base is. Why are we going to eliminate yet another option at third base? Bingo. Bingo. <laughs>
1: that's
0: <laughs> the whole. That's
1: the whole point of this conversation. That's why I <laughs> opened my eyes and I'm sitting there going, "We're we're, we're knocking this dude because he's old and injury prone." Sure, he's old. He's 36. I get that. 12th MLB season. He's not injury prone compared to what people say. He he won on the IL once last year. That was early in the season. I remember it very very clearly double in his first at bat pulled up lame with a hamstring he battled injuries off and on but he never missed more than like three or four games in a row at all like he was out there more often than not playing baseball
0: now is he better in daily leagues probably more than likely absolutely that's probably not even much of an argument but again that's neither here nor there when again third base is bad like it's josh not like looking at adp because i have not pulled up as well he's you mentioned candelario eugenio suarez cavin biggio jonathan vr these are guys that are going in that range, just just behind him or just ahead of him. Matt Chapman, uh, Eduardo Escobar. Are we sure Escobar is going to play every day in that in that offense? You think he is, but they have so many of those guys that they can just plug and play. But regardless, um, I'm not sure Escobar like Other than health, it's like I think that's where you. I think, I think Donaldson belongs closer to Escobar type of thing, and yet he's being passed on. Like he's, I just I have no interest in Suarez. I have no interest in Biggio. If I miss on third base early like why not like there's worse ways to fall back yeah again i understand there's injury risk but you can first base being so deep you're getting donaldson as a backup short third baseman slash corner infielder and you're more than likely to find a late round corner infielder that you could plug in if or when donaldson gets hurt in these deeper formats as well so if you're as long as you draft donaldson as a backup third baseman slash corner infielder you can feel again i fall back i'm just going by example here i got brian anderson really late and i think he's going to decent 250 20 home run guy type of thing uh Jesus Aguilar I got him another corner infielder late these are guys that you can get to backfill for uh for for, for the corner infield spot for in, for if or when Josh, Josh Allison misses time and there's still first baseman available well into the 30 round 30 areas that are going to be playing like right now, you, I, I, we all, I, just, you know, I don't want to share names because we're literally both about to pick again next round. But you get my point. There are first basemen right now you can look at either in the minor leagues or even at the pro level that are going to get at-bats and be able to cover any missed time that Donaldson gives you. So why are we harping on a guy that's going to miss time so late when you're able to get him where you're able to get him he's able to provide you a solid power skill set at a position that has no depth?
1: He's going to be able to provide you four categories, like pretty good too. At least three and a half. I think he'll hit for average. Um, I think, obviously, I think the power back to 30 plus, barring a, a catastrophic injury, because the home run to fly ball decrease was mind boggling. Like I know we said X stats aren't the end all be all, but I like looking at them just because when you see a Babbitt being so crazy low. The XBA was like 268. So that's a 20 point shift. So say we get 255. That's good. Um, but the home runs, he should have hit 30 plus homers in like every ballpark. He got just, you know, some rough luck. It happens from time to time because none of his stuff changed. The directions he gets the ball, the ground ball, fly balls, those are all pretty much in line. His line drives were off the roof or off the chart. Like those were great. But like, and, and even his his exit this velocity, yeah, his, play plays great this his, his average exit velocity on fly balls was one of the best of his career. So it's just. Everything points to, to come in, and it's not me just saying go draft him. Like you said, it's like I'm not making it a point to draft him, but I think it's a great option, and he's 50 picks after Justin Turner. Tell me why you shouldn't take you know a Josh Donaldson over at Justin Turner. It makes no sense to me at all. He's going to have Buxton. He's going to have Jorge Polanco. There's going to be guys there around him still to make things happen.
0: Absolutely. That's why it's like – and even if you want to take Turner ahead of him, I think they should be in the same conversation at the very least, and they're not, and that's kind of the point.
1: Yeah, that's the whole point of like these early drafts, kind of seeing guys that stand out. And that's why I like preferably writing about those, like you're doing the same thing. I'll write about these guys later in the draft, like not saying you have to draft them, but open your mind to this is why they should be in the conversation. Like they're not just garbage to throw away type thing.
0: Mm-hmm. All right,
1: let's do some listener questions. As I can hear, my little one is not having this anymore. <laughs> but um, Richard Sands asks, how early would you take Will Smith? What about Dalton Varsha? We kind of talked about him. Um, we, we mentioned Varsho's going around pick 100. Uh, let me pull a catcher's back up because Will Smith's going about, you know, pick 68. How <laughs> early would you go on those two?
0: Smith is going about 68 because of uh, waxman every, every draft I'm in with him, He True. takes them like in the fifth round. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, see, I'm those top three. I'm probably out on. I don't like taking a catcher that early. Not saying there's not an advantage to having a catcher early, but if I'm taking a catcher early, I also don't want. I, that means I'm probably not taking a relief pitcher early. I feel like it's weird. Like, I'm weird like that. So I, I'm, I like Varsho's price. I really do. I will get. I probably will land myself some Varsho because, like again, I like his price compared to the other three, and I, I, I can kind of see him grouped he's below them in my tiers, but he's kind of right on the edge of being in that, that conversation for me so if i can get somebody i feel is on the edge of that conversation 40 picks on average behind the last one in that conversation i'm good with varsho's price it was smith i still feel like a little rich for my liking but i get it because i think he belongs in that conversation with the top guys without actually costing the same as those top guys so i'm, I'm more so understanding of it but at the end of the day, Varsho is the only one I like in terms of that top four catcher price tag.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And that, that's the thing I'm at. I, like, I love Real Utah. I love Salvi. I like these guys. I'm just where they're going and what I want for my structure, the way I feel comfortable drafting a team. It's not fitting mm-hmm. where Varsho I like. And that's why – and, and then Varsho goes, so I end up with a lot of Grand Ole because Varsho goes. And that's just mm-hmm. the way it ends up happening. But I won't probably have any Will Smith. And it's nothing against Will Smith. I'm, I'm very, very similar to what you said. I just – I don't know, like I like him, but I'm not in love with him, if that makes yeah. sense. So it's it's, it's I, tough, tough to go for sure. Well, Matt Goodwin. You, you
0: said you said it so simply. I sat here try giving reasoning. You just said I like him, but I don't love him. I'm like, Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like I don't love him. That's it. Yeah.
1: Like there's just like and that's the thing is when we talk ADP, we look like okay, that was catcher ADP we have pulled up sometimes peel it back. It's back to where I said, look at the full draft board, go to the full page of ADP and look what else is going around him and see where that would shape your team up type situation. And yeah. that kind of changes things when, when you're picking through it. Uh, Matt Goodwin asks a question. What are mid and late round starting pitching targets that could outperform strikeouts for general performance projections, expectations Mr. Mike Curlin.
0: Yeah, he, uh, he <laughs> brought, I wasn't like, I talked about how I wasn't ready. My, my, my least prep position is pitcher. So mid round guy, um, someone I I recently got in on, and I wish I drafted him in this league. He was actually at the top of my queue when he went, so I didn't get him. Was Luis Garcia of the Astros, twenty five years old, kind of flashed a little bit. You know, the ERA was in the mid threes last year with with uh, the with everything behind it, suggesting it was legit. Twenty eight games started, one hundred fifty five innings. I like seeing that. What caught my attention was the above average swinging strike rate. And the above average O swing, not not a ton above average, but a little, both, both above league average while inducing below league average contact across the board. So there's swing and miss potential there. And I think there's a next level to his potential in strikeouts if he can build off of this, oh, this season. So he's the one name I'm for sure I like, have FOMO on right now and a guy that I'm moving up my draft board to try to get a few shares.
1: Yeah, I like the Luis Garcia call quite a bit. Um, that's one thing I look at when I'm taking these later round pitching targets. It's who are guys that have that strikeout upside that if they're going to like be the best ratio guys, who can we go after? I think Luis Garcia is a very, very good one for sure. Uh, Mike Carter asked a question. The doc is in the house. Who are a couple of off-the-radar hitter prospects you'll be looking at
0: carefully this spring? You want me to answer? I, I got a couple.
1: Go for it, and I'll, um, I'll follow up after you.
0: Two quick ones. Uh, There's a few of them, actually, but two of them I like a lot. Josh Lowe of the Rays. Power, speed, played plenty in the upper levels last year. Should be up quick, uh, rather early, I would think, this year, if not break camp with the team. And that skill set is very intriguing. Better in OBP leagues, but overall, there's a power, speed combination there, and he's going late in drafts. And another one going like outside the top four. I think he's like 380-something. 387 since December 1st, I think it was. And then another one going outside the top like 500, which he's still available in our drafts. I'm all over Seth Beer again. for like the third straight year. I'm sick of it. Like I've I've been chasing the Seth Beer dragon for 3 seasons now and um, to be he,
1: to be fair, you should have had it last year before he got hurt. Like he was yeah. starting to hit. It was coming. Well, yeah.
0: He was coming around and he, you know, he has the minor league track record in terms of solid plate discipline, decent power, nothing special, but he just feels like a solid safe option and how late you're getting him plus an NLD again. NLDH, I think he's one of the bigger benefactors for the D-backs cuz he could fit that that role right away. He he's a guy that just how late he's going, I tend to get it, fall into a bunch of shares of him. Again, he's still available, so now Bubba's probably gonna jump him on me, but it's okay. Um no, I like that he, I don't blame you. I have him, I think I got him in the first draft too, I have a look, but I think I got him in my last DC. But he's a guy that not only will he play DH, obviously if there's an NLDH, but a guy that probably plays first base a little bit or gets a little bit position eligibility somewhere right now he's only UT only. so that is a problem for fantasy, but where you're getting them it's not a problem because you're gonna need anybody who has a pulse at one point.
1: yeah, no I, I like that Seth Beer call a lot. Um, a couple that I have out there and they're they're popular ones but that I'm very intrigued with is Josh Jung. like do we do we get him coming early in the season because I think that power is legit so obviously we want those at bats if he could play even three quarters of the season. I wouldn't be shocked if we see twenty-five to thirty home runs from Josh Young, so I'm intrigued with him. Another guy that you can get later at third base if you're wanting to roll the dice there, and then one that just went a few picks, like maybe like last round in our draft, Nick Prado. Very intrigued by Nick Prado. That hit tool is legit. I remember seeing him before, uh, is during the draft season a couple years ago, and I was very intrigued by him. And then with the developments we saw him make last year in the minors, like everyone talks Bobby Witt, and for good reason, obviously, but Nick Prado is awesome. Like this kid's good. He's this is a team that's rebuilding, and I know they kind of played the game. But if the CBA gets rid of these these like you know year things with these young kids, Prado could easily have a, a nice role this next year as well. So he's 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 definitely uh, intriguing to me.
0: And one with, last one I want to mention yeah. that because catchers so bad. MJ Melendez just Love won the that. home run derby. Another offseason. Kansas City Royal. Yep. Dude, Royals are loaded with guys that are just intriguing, especially late round options, because these are guys that are that should. Could possibly break camp problem is is where's melinda going to play with salvi yeah. like the is salvi, got a salvi DH de- full time yeah and then that goes into let's look into salvi as a dh does he hit well as a dh does that hurt him now that he's not playing the field because salvi plays like 130 games in the field every year somehow those knees his knees hurt me yeah, like I don't know, yeah.
1: I don't know how he does it, but you know, just catchers in general that are fun to take chances on late in drafts. It's but it's playing time, like you mentioned, Melendez, uh, Luis Capusano of San Diego. Like, if he can play every day, that could be we fun. Have four catchers there, yeah, that's the <laughs> problem. Like, that that they wouldn't did. trade it for Jorge Alfaro. I'm like, God, what are you that's doing? That's their third
0: catcher, Caratini, yeah. Alfaro, um, Nola, Nola. and Capusano.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it sucks because, like, I'd love to see him play with the question marks on playing time, Cal Raleigh. Of Seattle. They're going
0: to they're gonna trade. I'm telling you the Padres and the Mariners are going to trade a catcher because yeah, the, trade so...
1: Cal Raleigh for Luis we are still screwed.
0: <laughs> Although I can see Texas getting one, so I need to figure out this backup catcher situation quick because yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Texas goes out and gets a catcher because they're trying to push, obviously. Anyway, as yeah,
1: you... but the, there's a lot of good young catchers that I love the Melinda's call. The dude's awesome. Yeah, if you haven't seen the home run derby everything, go look it up. It's impressive. Um, our buddy Art from Triple Play Fantasy Love you guys. How do you rate Trevor Story for 2022? That is he location dependent for you?
0: Oh no, he's a clear cut. Like third round, he's my target every draft so far. Like I the first draft, I took Tim Anderson over him and I realized I didn't like that. And that's why early drafting matters too, because I didn't do my ranks yet, and I realized I'm gonna rank Story ahead of him. So I actually have Story as my fourth, fifth, no, no fourth, fourth shortstop. Just behind the big three and Turner, Tatis, and Bichette. Then I have Story ahead of Anderson, Bogarts, and Baez. So I'm really in on Story. I'm taking him every chance I can.
1: Yeah, you took him in round three of this draft. So I definitely, yep. I don't mind it. I think he's a steal compared to where he used to go. Because the biggest thing is maybe he maybe he loses some home runs like he did last year. But he's going to run. He's going to run. He,
0: he so. has actually more career stolen bases
1: on the road. Yeah, which makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. So um, I, I can see that one <laughs> playing out for sure um any final thoughts my friend that wraps up listener questions that wraps up so much i know we could talk for hours but i don't know if everybody wants to hear all that conversation and we'd like to keep doing podcasts in the future so uh, i don't know if we should we should do that but um any final thoughts
0: no man just uh this was a lot of fun it's been a long it's been a while since i've been on the podcast other than my own and it's been it's fun to play the guest and not feeling guilty when i cut people off (laughs) because but uh, but seriously i just appreciate you having me on bubble i do appreciate the friendship we've been able to for, uh, form over because of fantasy baseball and does Lars new get playing time and, this year yeah oh.
1: james DeVigrio asks uh <laughs> mike does Lars Newbar get playing time this year i'm curious because that's why i've been so hesitant to click draft button with him
0: i'm curious because i i just i we have like let's look I, i'm gonna pull up the roster real quick well it was just because i like, give new who's a lefty which is good for him but you have Yepes, who's g- gaining all this hype. You still have DeJong on the on the roster yep. on the bench. DH would help open a slot up. But I mean, it's hard to see a clear path to those at bats because if Yepes is everything people think he's going to be, or takes that step forward, he just takes that DH spot. Does, and I feel like we always see the Cardinals in on somebody randomly we're not expecting. So the Cardinals could go out and sign somebody to be the DH. Like if the Cardinals went out and grabbed Solaire because they get a discount, I wouldn't be surprised. No one. And, would like, surprised, I, yeah. I would hate it, but I wouldn't be surprised. So it's one of those things that um I want to say yes, but I'm not as confident. Like I know uh, John, our buddy John L tweeted yeah. the other day. He's actually pretty confident in it, but I, I don't see a clear pass. So I'm, I think we see some, but it's going to be as like a fourth outfield type slash. Uh, and, if he, and now if he gets hot and takes over DH, sure. But I don't feel confident saying that's going to happen
1: obviously where he's going is on an expensive price so it's just one injury is all it takes mm-hmm. and he could run with it and we've seen cardinals guys do this so many times in the outfield so many times yeah. so anything's possible but like at this moment in time i'm with you it's hard to see i i would be more i would be less surprised if he was a piece of a trade to get like pitching or something like yeah. that's something I could see happening. And then that could open up playing time because they just, they, they sent him to the Arizona folly to showcase him. I think not to actually get him more reps. I mean, so, look
0: what happened late. Th- look, They freed Lane Thomas and we we got yeah. the best of them. So well, they I'm always have, maybe, a, the,
1: the, that's the running joke. All the authors, you got a Rosarena. You, there's like a long list of Cardinals outfielders that have thrived outside yeah. of St. Louis. So, it, so, it, so maybe Lars is the there. guy,
0: but like you mentioned yeah. the price tag there, there isn't one really. Um, I think he's worth a gamble, but mostly you can just leave him on your uh, watch list. Dynasty leagues, he's a de- he's a cheap buy low. There's little risk, and there is reward there. It's just I don't know if I see a path to clear at bats again. All depending on how Yepes looks, because there's so many people high on him. I haven't dug into him yet to see this to see the appeal, but there's a reason why there's a lot of smart people saying his name this offseason. Mm-hmm. So that gives me pause. Not to mention, the young might not be the done. Like, sorry, yeah. I can damn it. I almost made the whole um, show without making a stupid that's comment.
1: That's fine. I'm good at those two. It's good. It's <laughs> fair. But on that note, we're going to wrap these up here. Yes. Um, I do appreciate you joining me. It's always fun having you on the show. It's been a while, so we'll have to make it happen again. Our crazy schedules make things difficult from time to time. But uh, we got it in, which is most important. And we have about 20 more rounds to draft, which will be fun to text back the uh, screw you for taking this guy scenarios and whatnot. But um, and then we'll have battle the pause before you know it that's so just right yep. around the corner but uh, everybody make sure you check out skplaybook.com lots of great stuff there lots more coming your way to get you ready for the 2022 season the bases is loaded podcast as also with jorge montanez georgie getting it done there wrote much much more from mr mike curlin who is on twitter at mike underscore curlin mike thanks for joining me man
0: thank you for having me good sir
1: everybody's bench with bubba episode 425 catch you guys later